go. That was very fitting uh, because you're wearing a little skater cap. I am wearing a little skater cap. And listeners, I'm wearing these big cargo pants I have <laughs> that are like army green, not camo, so you can see them. Um, but they zip off at the knee and turn into shorts. Very sexy of me. Yeah. I zipped them off for Emily earlier. <laughs> it was very sexy. So sensual. My cargo shorts. How are you? I'm doing good. Emily and I just got high on our fire escape. So we're really living it up over here. I'm drinking a hemp drink. This episode's going to be very hard for me already. Would you like to know why? Why? Because it's MILF Central. MILF Central. So like the title of this has to be something MILF related, right? Yeah. Another MILF bites the dust. Do you know what a MILF is? Now... Do you know what a MILF is? How was your day, Emily? <laughs> we got our hair done, and I went for a little, little Dana Scully, uh, if she tried to dye her own hair in college. Mm, I think a way to describe it. Copper. Yeah. Um, like dark yeah. brown with auburn tones. Big fan, besties. Um, and then what do we do? And then, oh, we, sorry. Oops, I just ruined the illusion. I broke the fourth wall. It's okay. Um, yeah, I also got my hair done. And I, um, Emily very lovingly comforted me while I cried after. I'm very upset that people um, can't do curly hair. But that's life, baby. That's life. Frank Sinatra song. And then we have decided to make the days that we record our takeout night. So we get takeout when we record because we put so much time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears into <laughs> recording that we're too pooped out to cook dinner ever. So we order food and so we ordered food and um, watched an episode of Fleabag. It was really good. I love this. I feel like we're talking to like our little like group. Like, I know, I'm like, and then too. we did, and then we did. I know me too. I love it. Emily's been very nice in letting me run lines and lines of Shakespeare with her. The only reason the only reason I'm being nice is because I'm coming for your part. You're going for my part in the film? Mm-hmm. The, the kicker, the kicker is that you've been telling me all of this information about where you're shooting and where you're <laughs> meeting and, and I'm just going to show up. Why do you think I got my hair done today? <gasps> you snake! And that was the end of the podcast. <laughs> I think I think we've watched a little bit too many L words. <laughs> Literally, Jesus Christ. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert for the L word. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. But we're right at the part where um, Helena is about to go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> so it's real fun. So we're... we're um, we're high on the dramatiques. You know what? I'm going to fucking say it in a public space. I am a Jenny apologist. They do her character so fucking dirty. I'm also a Jenny apologist. That poor girl has literally just been traumatized so many times. And they just said, we're just going to make her a raging bitch. Yeah. Toxic and horrible for no reason. Yeah. And it's weird because like people who watch the show all the way through, they're all like, oh my God, no, Jenny's Jenny is actually the most hated character. And I like- know. I was skimming through before, and I, even just from that, yeah. I could 
I could ascertain that Jenny had just been traumatized a million times over. And so because of that, she becomes the person that she is in the later seasons. Because she gets traumatized by literally everyone she trusts and loves. And she's violated in like multiple really penetrating ways. Yeah. And they just, and then everyone's just like, fuck her. I'm like, oh my God. So do you want to do a little sex question before we go to MILF town? Please. I'm just trying to come up with a title here. I know. I can't wait to get there. Better than Flavortown. <laughs> Although, maybe the same. Maybe it's the same place. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Milftopia. No, you can just call it a utopia. That's a good one. Okay, okay. Will you read the question? Yes, the question is very serious. Um, just a warning. So, trigger warning, this question is about sexual harassment and may delve into subjects of assault. So if you're not feeling that, go ahead and k- click the little skippy button. These conversations are usually about 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. Love you. Love you. Bye. I said the same thing. Aw, see you soon. Okay. Okay. Um, now that we're alone. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Okay. So the request was, Hi, I hope you are doing well. I really love your podcast and it has helped my little feminist grow. I'm 16 and was sexually harassed last year in my school. I have talked to people within my school and I have chosen not to file a formal formal report and I think you would understand why. I was wondering if you could talk about how sexual harassment and assault should be dealt with within the school system. Well, Angel, first of all, I want to give you a big smooch. I'm so happy your little feminist is growing. You're amazing. Thanks for being here with us. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, so incredibly sorry, especially in the place where, like, your sole purpose is to learn. I know. Um, That's, I mean, obviously there are so many abuses um, for young girls in the school system. Mm -hmm. Um that divert from the fact that they are literally there to learn. Yeah. So I'm so sorry. We're so sorry that you've had to, that you've had to deal with this. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that like the fact that you're able to recognize that it's sexual harassment and like nothing less than that is nothing short of incredible. Yeah. It takes a lot of fucking awareness because at fucking 16, I had no concept of things I was experiencing. Like I had no like level of consciousness to even categorize it so the fact that you're there is amazing and i think the thing too is like we talked about this a little bit earlier but like when i was younger i was actually harassed by in middle school by the boys in my class and in one very like specific situation with like one of my first romantic experiences with someone and that like one instance ingrained so much shame in my sexuality and my sexual desire and and all of that I realized like why that had such an impact on me and it was literally because like school is really the first place where you learn about bodily autonomy and consent mm-hmm. and yeah agency and, and being all with people outside of your immediate family yeah and flirting and and all of that and so when you learn that like that's the way that it when that's the way that it happens, then you think that that's the way that it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say here, what I'm trying to say here is that it could have very easily gone the other way where, which was my experience, which was that I let it shape the way that I thought mm. boys and girls were supposed to interact. And yeah. I, 
and it changed the way that I engaged with, with um, people in a romantic and intimate way. Um, like for years to come after that happened, unconsciously, obviously. Yeah. And so the fact that, again, just like you're able to call it what it is and say that like it's sexual harassment is incredible because that just shows like it's really, really scary and it can feel very, very daunting to like admit that that has happened to you or to acknowledge, I should say, that that's happened to you Mm -hmm. for a lot of different reasons, which we could talk about all day. But the the recognition of that is incredible. Yeah, seriously. Something that I did find that was helpful was um, Gina Martin, who is signed under the same agency as Florence, posted a... A Google Doc with resources for parents, students, and teachers regarding oh, wow. sexual harassment in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like ways to, there's um, like email templates for students, email templates for parents, email templates for teachers, stuff like that. Yeah. This person, you've chosen not to file a formal report, which, yeah, I mean, we completely understand. Mm-hmm. But if even like trying to get a speaker to come, if um, trying to implement more um, conversations about consent, about all of that, if that's something that you're interested in, then these would be great templates to um, pursue that with. That's amazing. So we'll definitely post that on our social media, which is at the Sex Files Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know the question was about what our thoughts are and like how um, reports on harassment assault should be handled in schools. And honestly, like I have, I mean, I don't really have like a legislative brain, but I have no concept of what a good way for that to be handled was because it was so not even addressed at my school. Like that I wouldn't even, I have no concept of what that would even look like for it to actually be handled. Um, Because like I had, so many experiences of harassment and then a a big assault in high school and I had no idea there was no and I felt comfortable talking to my teachers but there it didn't even occur to me that talking to an adult would even be something that I would do in that situation that it even warranted that level of seriousness because it had Mm. never been discussed at all so I feel like we're like before you can even get to figuring out how this should be handled you need to implement how it's going to be taught and how you're going and how you're going to introduce those dynamics because you have to you you have to teach what fucking harassment is from like from a young age like that needs to start that shit needs to start so much earlier than it doesn't even start but you know what i mean yeah well that's that's exactly right and i think because it's like um it, it kind of goes to like well why don't women change the way that they dress? Well, why don't women not walk alone at night? It's like, instead of changing those things, we just need to teach men not to assault women. Exactly. And it's like, because the system that you're literally existing in, like the only discussion that you have around sexuality at all is that girls need to cover up. Of course, when something happens, you're going to think it was your fault. Yeah. So, or it was either your fault or just the way that it's supposed to be, like you said. And so, like, how would you even think to report that? Like, I'm not talking about you specifically, listener, but, like, just in general. And so, yeah, so so the whole point being, like, to what you said, which was that before you can even address, like, what happens when these reports come in, like, you have to start teaching it. You have to start 
there. Yeah. Like you have to, you have to get it at the root because like, I think that the school system like is one of the most dangerous, um, and toxic facilities and, and, um, and pipelines for like introducing and maintaining rape culture, like in this this country. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's like tasked with establishing um, our concepts of like what, what I said, like bodily autonomy, consent, um, sexual relationships, intimate relationships, um, all of that. While doing that, that which is a huge responsibility, it also suppresses survivors and protects perpetrators yes. of sexual violence and exactly. of sexual harassment. So it's like, and I don't know because it's rooted in the sustaining of funds and like the sustaining of a, of a um, reputation and sustaining of support mm-hmm. um, as schools are. Like I don't know that there is like a more, I don't know if there's a worse like breeding ground for something like that for yeah. for like the suppression of um, of like things that would look bad on yeah. the school. That's so true. And it's like, in order for this to be taught right, there needs to be an extreme amount of nuance, like even just in the language that you're using to teach about these subjects. Um, I was thinking because like the only reason I knew when I was young, what rape was, was because my mom was attacked when she was young and you, and told that story frequently in her women's self-defense classes that she taught that she yeah. like reframed and she and she taught women self-defense and was a security guard and was like in that world and was using her story in her teachings. So that's how, why I knew what that was. But in my mind, rape was was an attack, like, like because mm. that was the word that my mom had used because she had a very, like a very textbook definition of like somebody breaking into your home, et cetera. That was her experience. Yeah. But I never learned, because of that, I never learned the nuances of consent. And I never earned, learned about coercion or about statutory or about manipulation and anything like that. Well, it's, it's really fucked up because it's like, for so, in so many ways and in so many different avenues, in, in, at least in this country, like, there's this campaign to like protect our youth and like retain their innocence. And I think it's like, particularly with like sex education it's like the less that they know then that equal then the the more appropriate that is it's like as as um surface level as we can keep all of this education that means that it's more appropriate so it's like they do surface level if they have to teach it like according to to state law but it's like they and states do they get away with not not teaching it at all i know and it's just like i can't understand how like that could be acceptable to not teach this stuff because there's literally an epidemic of sexual violence so the point being that like for whatever reason things that are difficult conversations that falls under like protecting and and reserving the innocence of our youth it's like we don't want to burden them with anything too complicated like consent because then that will like put early stressors on them or that'll put stressors on them too early and too young and it's like this whole like ass backwards campaign that conservatives love to use which is like my child doesn't need to know about all this like they don't need to worry about what is and what isn't appropriate like they don't need to worry about that they're just children right like but that should happen but to it's children. like that's 
it happens to children and it's also like where do you think that like those where do you think like the mindset of adults comes from where do you think adults learn about social cues and behaviors and socializations and actions and all that like they learn that in school they yeah. learn that when they start being in a space surrounded by people who are like them who are all there for the same goal mm -hmm. like that's where it starts yeah it's so true and it's like in order for sexual harassment and assault and violence to like to like make any steps towards eradicating sexual violence you have to make it not taboo you have to make it not this hidden subject that everyone's afraid to talk about how is anything yeah. ever going to get solved when you're covering half of it well like here's a good example um so like you saw this but during the women's liberation movement uh gloria steinem was like one of the spearheads in changing the language surrounding um abortion mm -hmm. and reproductive justice from abortion and birth control and these like um like stark words and changing that to like reproductive freedom yeah or like family justice and language is so important so, and impactful it's so difficult because i just saw a tweet today from someone that i follow saying who's in the healthcare industry regarding reproductive rights say if we're ever going to um live in a country where abortion is completely legal and accessible for every person who needs it we have to stop being afraid of saying the word abortion literally so to say it's to say this to say the same thing which is just like the liberation and like the progression of eradicating this violence exists within like calling a spade a spade and like becoming very um comfortable with teaching about consent and teaching about messy bits within relationships and all of that throughout high school teaching about bodily autonomy or throughout school is so so important and yet the system and the structures that exist within this country will always try to make it more packageable like they're not going to be comfortable saying abortion they're going to change it to reproductive freedom or reproductive rights yeah that's a really good point you know yeah and i mean like, like at face value that's easy that's more digestible than abortion yeah. Well, it's I mean, kind of using that as a met obviously as like a parallel to what we're talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like talking about like police abolition. It's kind of like you can't just reform it and make it more digestible because it's just going to build back up and then police brutality happens and then it goes back and then they make reform and they make it digestible. You know what I mean? But yeah. the, the, what you have to do is abolish it. And so well, in terms exactly. of like this, it's like you can't just keep making the topic more digestible. Like it, you have to face it straight on again just goes to our initial point which is like you have schools solve this by attacking it at the source which is providing comprehensive education regarding yeah. these issues just like the policing issue is like you don't start um taking small funds away from the police like slowly every once in a while um and like that solves it, just taking money away from the police. No, you have to take large sums, if not most of it, mm -hmm. from the police and, re and, and reinvest and reinvest that into areas of society where when they are when they are prioritized, there is less crime. Yeah. 
crime is the issue. So again, it just goes back to like you can't you you can't stop it until you would until you address it at the source, and in this case, that would be comprehensive education. And I mean, like all of these issues parallel each other because the source is living in a capitalistic patriarchy. That's the source of all of these root issues. White supremacy. White supremacy. So it makes sense that all of these issues parallel themselves in the ways that we as a society fail to address them. I don't know how that changes on a on a large scale, let alone on a national scale. Um, but I think the templates that Gina Martin provided mm. um, would be very helpful to start. And um, I'm gonna look into emailing my high school that I went to and see if I can get an insight into the sex education and um, sexual assault and harassment education that they have there. Yeah. Um, especially because I went to an old girls high school. Yeah. So it's even more crucial. And I mean, I know we've talked about sex education on here before, but like after we had that discussion, I don't remember what episode it is. We had so many people send us in like lots of information about what their sex ed programs are in their countries and it's like that's truly the root that's like where to start for how to how schools and institutions need to start handling sexual harassment and assault is focus on sex education so yeah to any, anyone listening you can also use the template um the templates you can also email um like schools in your area, mm-hmm. the school that you went to, your children's school, if you would like, and just have a better idea about the education that they're providing them regarding things like this. And then if it, if you, it seems insufficient, or if you've had an experience, or if you're someone that you know has had an experience of harassment or assault at their school, suggest ways to, to implement that education if it's insufficient. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think the first step is just like talking about it with your chi- with with your kids, with your parents, with your loved ones, like whatever. Because I think so much about like a big thing for me in like getting into my twenties and going to college and all of that stuff was like I you realize so many things were actually harassment or were actually assault. Like you don't because you don't know, and so being able to know in the moment when something is happening gives you so much more agency. Mm-hmm. And, like, that can happen by just sharing experiences with each other and with, um, yeah, like, with your friends and with your family. And if you don't feel like you are at the capacity where you can talk to people about these things or email people, like, just taking care of yourself and every day to keep yourself safe and, and heal whatever needs to be healed, like, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you so much for sending in that lovely question and topic discussion idea and take care of yourself yeah we love you this is always a space for for little messages like that yes always all right should we get into the episode yeah let's get into the episode so this episode is dpo when i remembered that we were doing this episode i was like this is what comes after paperclip like I didn't realize that it was that early in the season like that didn't make sense in my brain um and then in reading about it I found that Howard Gordon who wrote the episode literally said um after you've had an unbelievable meal where you've been dealing with the death of Scully's sister and the death of Mulder's father huge huge issues and the next week you find yourself in a video arcade in Oklahoma it was sort of a setup some way for disappointment 
So he literally knew that it was going to be bad from the start. Wait, who and how was he affiliated? He wrote the episode. How was, oh dear. That's Howard Gordon who wrote this episode. He's also the same writer who wrote Firewalker right after One Breath. So they just say, Howard, you're the one to write lighthearted episodes after the major plot points. That's so weird. So like he knew that this wasn't going to work and feel wrong and it did. Which is so shitty because I actually really like this episode. I know. It would be a great episode if it was placed later in the season. But coming right totally. after that, you're like, what? Yep. So we open with some sick tunes playing. There's an empty parking lot. They zoom in on this cool looking convertible. It's a pizza delivery car. It makes me want pizza. I just feel like every time um, I see a car, I just assume this show is going to subject us to watching two minors make out for like an inordinate amount of time. I literally wrote, oh, good, teenagers having sex, and then had to delete it, like when it actually zoomed in on the car, because I just assumed yeah. that's what was happening. So we see that the car is parked outside of an arcade. So we go into the arcade. This dude is going ham on this video game. He's so into it. He's fucking sweating. Um, and then this little like mole rat looking dude creeps up behind him and starts like fidgeting around while he plays. And he's like, hey, I was playing that. Um, I just went to go take a whiz. Now I'm back. It's just like, buddy, your game would have timed out. Yeah, literally. Like, Oh, wait, maybe he was like, I just finished a game. Yeah, well, he, then no, was, you weren't using it. Then you it. weren't playing it. Then th- those aren't the rules. So this sweaty pizza boy is like, whatever, dude, it's a fucking game. But then he loses and throws an actual temper tantrum and like bumps into the mole rat kid and he's like you got a problem and like watching this was just so painful when they when people talk about toxic masculinity is like is this what they mean like this is what they mean stealing each other's arcade games yeah sweet because it's because they hate their moms yeah i can tell (laughs) yeah darren's got some mommy issues i think yeah so the creepy kid, who's Darren, is like, yeah, that's my game I was playing in. Pizza Boy's like, well, now you're not. And I'm like, well, you've got a point there. And this display of raw masculinity is, like, really getting me going. Like, I almost came just watching these men yell over this video game in, like, a dim-lit arcade. Like, so sexy. Also, how old are these people supposed to be? It seemed like, in, like, was Darren still in high school or had he graduated and, like, had just stayed in the town? I had no concept. I think he like had just graduated or like a cup within a couple of years. So he was like twenty, I guess. I don't know. So Jack Black appears, and he's like, "Yeah, bro, step aside. It's his game." And so Pizza Boy fucking shoves creepy kid into the game. The lights go out very suddenly, and Jack Black is like, "Oh, you should not have done that." So then a record player starts playing by itself. The creepy kid stands up. Pizza Boy goes to leave. He gets in the car. The same song from inside the arcade starts playing. And no matter what he presses, it won't turn off. He's very panicked. He tries to drive away, but things like are exploding in his car. And the pizza sign bursts into flames. And then Pizza Boy jerks back and starts convulsing as if he's being electrocuted. Or like he's Mulder having an amazing orgasm from Scully. Wow, I thought the exact same thing. Hell yeah. Um, But he didn't touch anything. (laughs) but he didn't touch anything so we don't know why he's like freaking the fuck out so then he collapses we assume he dies smoke comes out of his nose and mouth while the creepy kid in the arcade just like watches through the window the show like fucking creams over a seemingly like happy-go-lucky song playing over some 
grim circumstances. That's literally my next note. It's like already in the first five minutes, there's multiple things that the writers just reuse in other episodes. I dig that one though. I like that. I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I think it's it's I think it's just interesting. Um, like the record player going off like by itself happens in Shinga, like specifically, like almost an identical shot. And then the person watching through a window while a car freaks the fuck out happened in shadows in season one. But the point is, is that if the X-Files promotes anything good, it's recycling. Plastic, aluminum, plot lines, characters, you name it. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Mm-hmm. So we find Scully at a county building in Oklahoma. She's doing an autopsy on Pizza Boy. Both his eardrums were ruptured and he has cataracts in both his eyes, which are very clearly colored contacts when she opened them. The, um, the first shot is of her face is so close up. I wish every episode would start with her an inch away from the camera. I mean, as it should. That's only fair after the masculinity they just forced you to watch. I know. So she says that the wounds are probably heat-induced, and Mulder grabs, like, the kid's literal heart in a plastic bag and is like, yeah, it looks like his heart was cooked right in his chest. And that's exactly how Mulder's heart looked that first time they had sex. Burnt to, burnt to a crisp? Yeah. That's how strong the bet. That's Scully's pussy game. <laughs> Care to explain? <laughs> she lights hearts on fire. No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, now I know what my heart looks like. So Scully is talking to the other doctor, um, and she's like, yeah, the body shown can, signs can occur with electrocution, um, but I, don't, I can't find a point of contact, which is really weird. Um, I wrote, do you want to talk about her look here? Yes, please. Yeah. So there's a part where she takes off her lab goggles and has her lips pursed, and she has this look in her eyes where she, like, looks up through her lashes, and, and like, I just need that that graphic playing in my head over and over and over again for the rest of time and also i was trying to describe like what her look is when she does that and okay ready yeah it's like an under her lashes look where it's like she's like you just pissed me off and i'm about to prove you wrong until you either cry or fall in love with me that's a perfect description you're so spot on with those thank you so some sheriff walks in and is like silhouette challenge poses in the doorway um but they just kind of keep talking around him um and scully is like well did you find contact wounds on any of the other five victims and the doctor's like i don't fucking know i have to check my notes the doctor said well it's obvious what killed these kids and Mulder's like lightning and the doctor's like yeah and scully is already at an eight in this episode like anger wise coming right in and she's like are you numb nuts fucking aware that something like 60 people die from lightning strikes across the world each year what are the odds so then the fucking sheriff waddles in and is like there were only four deaths and then he pats the fucking stupid pinhead doctor on the back and is like okay sam you you don't have to defend your work like what the fuck yes he does especially if it's not thorough why is the line between defending your work and your decisions and trying to solve a case so blurred to you i know i don't i what do you mean he's not defending his like it's like everyone comes in at this in this everyone comes in this scene at like a 10 i know it's so true like why is the doctor (laughs) like the mr cop the doctor isn't defending his work he's literally answering questions solve the case and like 
if he was defending his work, he'd be lying and he'd be saying, pretending like he did remember what he did in his autopsy, but he's just like, I don't remember. Exactly. It's like, wow, your ego really completely infiltrated your workspace and like, how are you ever going to work like justifiably? Mm-hmm. So the sheriff talks to Mulder and Scully alone. His name is fucking Teller and he comes down to ask what the hell they were doing there, even though I think an FBI investigation seems pretty self-explanatory. Um, and then Scully, like, looks at Mulder when he asks, and he just kind of bows out and starts doing his own little investigation of the body. So Scully's like, well, there were five cases attributed to lightning with the same inconclusive forensic evidence. We investigate things that stray from obvious explanations, so here the fuck we are. Um, and this, like, mansplaining prick is like, um, do you know anything about lightning, Agent Scully? And she's like, yeah, my brain is a thousand times bigger than the size of your dick, buddy. Like, I know about lightning. So he starts telling her about all this, like, magical, wild, unexplainable things that Lightning does while Mulder, like, sucks on his tongue and walks around like a child at take-your-kid-to-work day. And then this fucking dickwad sheriff is like, these scientists will tell you that they actually don't know anything about Lightning. And she's like, I didn't know that. And he's like, well, I have breakfast with these scientists every day. She goes, well, what's the point of telling me that? Like, I said I don't understand. And he's like, well, that's clear as glass. And, like, I'm getting my shoes on and I'm on my way to murder a man. I am. It made me so mad. He's so mean to her. It's like I had to, this, this scene was an issue for me because I had to wa- rewatch this entire part in the morgue, like once the scene cut because- Because you had to was, give, yeah. It was so good and so bad for so many reasons. And it's like, firstly, I couldn't help but think Scully's sister really just died. And now she has to listen to this man. One, insult her intelligence and credentials. I have a couple, right? Mm-hmm. He insults her intelligence and her credentials. And he suggests that she can't even express honesty and lacking knowledge that she's willing to now understand. Because that automatically gives him the right to belittle her and see her as less competent because how dare she not know everything about this one very fucking specific and irrelevant topic that I happen to know everything about. Exactly. LOL, get fucking owned, sweaty. You don't know know everything about lightning? Wow, sucks to have a two IQ. Literally, he's like, you don't know anything about lightning? Like, in the anything that she doesn't know is that nobody knows anything. Literally. Like, then... He mansplains lightning to her because he's mad he never made it to the big league like her and Mulder and is now a nobody cop in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And it's so frustrating because it's like Scully literally was just talking about in the last episode how she wants answers. And so now she's addressing a case and she's participating in a case where she can feasibly get those answers and that she can feasibly get justice for the victims because and like quite fucking frankly she needs that because right now she needs to control something and she needs to work yeah and she needs to solve a case with answers that feel within reach like fuck off exactly and like it's exactly what you said too it's like why is he why is he scolding her on the fact that she didn't quote didn't do her homework that's what happens when you solve cases. Like, you fucking show up. You show up and you That's get the it. information. Like, what? Like, she's there, isn't she? Yeah, how else was she supposed to fucking know? Like, he's literally fucking awful. And then, 
he refers to scientists as like some exclusive group, assuming that she's not a part of it, which exactly. she is. Like, yes, you're a smarter scientist than she is because you talk to scientists from like shit stain Nevada over <laughs> fried eggs every morning. Exactly. But on the but on the bright side, she looks literally breathtaking. And um, I've been told by a very sweet listener that they enjoy my descriptions of her. So if you'll give me the space, I will do that um, in a very detailed way. And action. Okay. I think it was like at this point in the series when they realized like the camera people and the cinematography people, whatever, were like, hey, remember when Jillian was pregnant and we used to shoot her like really close up to hide her belly? Yeah, like we should start doing that again. Mm -hmm. Because all of these shots are so zoomed in and so close up. But, like, for sustained periods, which is, like, never happened before. And, like, kind of just to her. Yeah, like, since she was pregnant. And with these close-up shots, right, her freckles are, like, perfectly scattered around her face. Like, the most beautiful constellation. And I know that that's fucking so gross but it's true (laughs) it's true okay and her hair is like the perfect shade of auburn where like it's like the color when the leaves are just transitioning from summer to fall and like it's like the warmest shade of like orangey brown and then i was like basically I don't, well, I'll say it very vaguely, but there's a part in Mad Men, there's a character who gets um, assaulted, Mm -hmm. and the color that she's wearing when that happens later in the series is often used as, like, her color of trauma. Badass costume design. Yeah, it, like, is very significant because she wears it in moments where she's experiencing loss or disappointment or trauma of some sort. Anyways, I was on that mind wagon, Mm -hmm. right? And I thought maybe this is like the representation of death because in season four, her hair gets redder and more vibrant and less like a muted, like auburny, like brown. Um, And then like her hair getting redder and more vibrant symbolizes a rebirth. (gasps) Oh my God. I love that. But then I realized she gets cancer. So like, I don't know. The writers of this show suck, but... Like, let me have some decent and thought-provoking and interesting and decipherable metaphor, please. Like, this is a treat. Yeah, I this know. This is a treat. <laughs> they absolutely didn't do that on purpose, but, like, the fact that you can discern that shows that your brilliant mind um, is more worthy of this these characters than the actual writers are. Thank you. Okay. Her lips, again, like, the most perfect shade of, like, beet pink. It looks like she, like, put beets on her lips, like to get a stain but then someone else like say me for example Mm -hmm. like kiss the potency off a little bit so they're not quite like beet red they're like a little pink but like a little like rosy pink yeah but like a dark rose oh you want to know a trick Mm. because they're like matted yeah so if you want to make something that's glossy or shiny matted you take a tissue and you put it over your lips and then you put powder over your lips and it makes them matte and like i like to think that dana scully does that because she's like you know 
a working girl and she needs her lips to stay in place through <gasps> hot top season, hot temperatures and Oh my god, I love that. Yep. That's good to know. Thank you. This is my favorite, right? Okay. Her eyes look like a blue satin nightgown that's like all shimmery and like very deep with different depths of color. That's depths. so beautiful. Depths. Lastly, aside from her appearance, um, Scully got her hair tie besties. So you know what that means. Oh. So the sheriff tells her that basically this town was built with like with the design to stimulate lightning and like Jesus fucking Christ like that was the one piece of information we needed and he could have just told her that without being the biggest sphincter in the entire world. But instead he's just a gaping asshole. <laughs> Spewing shit all over the room. Ew. What? I thought we were I thought we were getting into imagery. It's not as good. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> That's not as good as you describing Scully's satin blue eyes, no? Gaping no. sphincter? That doesn't do it no. for you? Okay. No. Um, <laughs> so then he chastises her for not doing her homework while Mulder's literally doing a pee-pee dance in the corner. And she's like, well, sir, these autopsies don't fucking add up. And um, I know because I'm a medical doctor. And he's like, hmm, um, well, as a medical doctor, what would you say the cause of death was? Um, and I keep cutting to Mulder, like, grinning and watching. And I want to wring his perfect fucking neck for not having her back. Yeah, but see, the issue is that the issue is that this makes Scully want him to wring her neck and break no. her back. Is that what you said? <laughs> for not having her back, but break her backwards. Oh, yeah. Um. So she agrees that, like, the most probable capital P cause of death would be lightning, but it's still, like, worthy of, of an investigation. And the sphincter's like, yeah, and I don't want anybody suggesting different to these people's parents. And he fucking leaves. So then Scully says, uh, feel free to jump in any time. And, like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's pathetic that I'm, like, oh, my God, that's so much communication for them. Because she's, like, literally just saying that she's annoyed, which is the bare fucking minimum. And I'm, like, oh! <gasps> She said that. Like, that's pathetic. My stand- This show has no. made my standards so low. No, no, no. But it is, like, it is different for them. Like, it's a different it, form This interaction of, like, is very different for them. Of flirting. Yeah. But on, like, a real note, the problem with Mulder not jumping in is, like, that's exactly where men need to jump in. Exactly. Because my it's, God. like... It's, like, it's very... Gr- it was very girl boss of Mulder to be, like, you were handling it. No, that's not the point. That's not the point, Bestie. The point is, is that, is that when it's, the, when it's like your boy questioning the capability of a woman, like this man is so, that's when you need to jump in because this man is so far gone and He's, men like him are so far gone that he won't listen to Scully even if she like slapped him across the face. Literally, right? it's like you need to show him that it's not an okay space for that. Like nothing that she would have done would have to assert herself would have worked for him. It wouldn't have changed his mind. No. But he would have listened to Mulder. If Mulder had been like, hey, this isn't a space where that's okay. And like if they othered him, he teamed yeah. up with Scully and like was like, no, this isn't okay. Now we, this dominates the space. Like that's what you need to fucking do in that situation. Exactly. It's But like he obviously hates Scully because like she's an easy target. And like yep. Mulder's who he probably fucking wanted to be when he grew up yep but like also jokes on him because scully was who Mulder wanted to be when he grew up <gasps> yeah she, when she tells him to jump in any time he smiles at her and she completely backs down and like cute 
Like, I want to steer yell at him, but, you know, mm-hmm. I can't blame her. So she asks if he has a theory, and he says he just doesn't think it's lightning, and walks away. And Jesus fucking Christ, how exhausting would it be to be his goddamn partner and have to chase him around begging him to share his theories and what's on his mind? Like, grow the yeah. fuck up. I think that, like, they played this scene very well, like, the the scene prior, like, in the morgue. Yeah. Um, because it shows Scully, like, very visibly exhausted by having to deal with men like that yeah who think they're the next coming of albert einstein but mm-hmm. again like we shouldn't need to see that scully deals with this to assume that she does or even to know that she does yeah and like also my main issue with this whole scene is like give her her time like let her reclaim her time if you're gonna make her sit there and take it exactly because it's, it's like no exactly. one wants to no woman wants to see this con condensation con condensation yeah not wait isn't that what uh, comes from the sky yeah anyways no one wants no woman wants to see this belittling unless we get to see her pull his pants down exactly if if you don't let her have the spotlight after a moment where it's completely taken away from her then you're just contributing to the problem you're not actually doing anything to like promote otherwise exactly and you're just putting it on display and like for what you're not saying anything about it we talked about this briefly a little bit earlier, but it's, like, also the reality that a man would be this blatantly fucking misogynistic in, like, the big year of 1996 is unrealistic. Specifically at this level. Yeah. But then when they try to exemplify how Scully exists in this male-dominated field, they go to, like, a thousand immediately. When, yep. realistically, they fail at showing, like, the thousands of little things that women and um by poc people face mm-hmm. he just starts insulting her and like she just has to take it exactly and, and it's like it. it's such a blatant form of misogyny that it really doesn't do anything because it's already totally. a condemned wrong like it's already condemned and it's it would be brave of them to actually show like some nuanced sexism and some of the things that literally Mulder does and the that the good men still perpetuate that would make a fucking statement but this like everybody knows this is wrong that's not saying anything revolutionary and also it's like it's almost cartoonish the way that they have him be insultingly misogynistic and just to her out of fucking nowhere yeah like like and it's and it's so clearly because like he like because it never gets any better he just fucking has it out for her so badly i know but it's like but then it like that could also turn into a conversation of just how damaging it is like when when a man in a position of power has some fucking personal vendetta against a woman that he has to work with yeah that like it actually stunts her ability to perform yep for no other reason than just fucking pure misogyny or racism or uh whatever transphobia homo like whatever it is yep you're correct it's like sorry howard you didn't do this wasn't the take you thought it was <laughs> yeah seriously so she literally chases Mulder down the hall and she's like can you stop for a minute please with all the walking Mulder does it's like he should just take over for joe at this point <laughs> Fox like, Mulder was the blueprint for Joe Biden's yeah, fucking struts. Like it's literally like Scully is Scully is like doing actual work and doing your actual fucking job and Mulder is Joe Biden. 
Exactly. Jesus Christ. Um, so then she says to him, she goes, after everything we've been through, after everything we've just seen, I hope you're not thinking this has anything to do with government conspiracy or UFOs. And again, I'm so excited at the mere mention of something that's happened in a previous episode that I'm realizing I need to like actually rewatch a well thought out show to cleanse my expectation palette because this is getting really pathetic. Because they literally yeah. just said that and then they're like, well, that takes up that that takes care of that long term plot that we left hanging last episode. Moving on to the frivolous shit, like yeah. that one line doesn't fucking do shit for their character development when you write like nothing's happened for the rest of the episode. I've realized that like this, like for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because like the plot's getting more developed or whatever, but like this this little act that Mulder puts on where he's like, I don't know what my theory is yet, and then like he walks off. And then Scully's like, you think it's lightning? And he's like, haven't determined that yet. And he like just wants to keep walking. Like he turns off all dramatically. Like everything, this man thinks everything is a performance. Literally, like get off like, the stage, babe. His head is just one liner, one liner, dramatic walk off. He's like, one liner. He's like, I'm going to keep her waiting. She's not going to know what I'm thinking. She's going to be so intrigued. And meanwhile, she's like, I want to fucking rip his dick off. In multiple and he's ways. Like, he's like stone-faced, but ready to solve this whole damn case like the goddamn hero I am. Exactly. Like, what? That's like every scene that he's in where he like walks off and is like, I don't know what my theory is yet, babe. Reads like, I am the goddamn hero. Mulder embodies like I'm the main character energy, but in just in the worst way. In the worst way. Okay, so they talk about how lightning is the most scientific explanation for what's happening, but that it seems like whatever is happening has a victim type, so there's clearly something else going on. They're all male, 17 to 21, and he says that they should go to the crime scene and that, um, and I quote, maybe we can find something we both agree on. And Scully's face screams, I thought we found something we both agreed on this morning in my bed. But fuck me, I guess. (laughs) What really bothers me about the scene is how, which is... um, a testament to like just the plot in general mm-hmm. is that Mulder tries to convince Scully of everything. Like, yeah, he holds all the data, he holds all the connecting facts, and she's just supposed to be there to provide that access. But her little girl brain is too small to make any of the actual connections. Exactly. Like, as if she wouldn't notice the fact that the four victims fell into the same demographic. I know. Right after she made a note to say how unlikely it would have been for all of the victims to be killed by lightning. Yep. Exactly. It's like, it's not like she's not looking at this critically. And I feel like Mulder looks at, at presenting her with facts as like a challenge. Like he views her as a challenge over a multifaceted human being with a complex level of understanding and opinion forming. I mean, that's how the writers view her. But it's almost to me like Mulder's ability to, it's, it's, it's as if, I think I get into this later, but it's like as if Mulder is the catalyst for everything. And then Scully is just kind of like the fill, the fill in, which is so annoying and doesn't fall into the believer skeptic dichotomy that they had intended at all. It just falls into like this all knowing and like incredibly intelligent hero and like his fucking sidekick who like whispers who talks in his ear while he's on the case exactly so we cut to the victim's car scully is looking snazzy in her very tailored suit and sunglasses and her bangs are growing so i'm getting a little worried for you 
They did grow a lot, didn't they, from the last episode? Yeah. Those sunglasses, though. Are you a fan? I'm a big fan. Um, so she talks about how the entire um, electrical system of the victim's car was shorted out. And we're back to annoying fucking Fox. I have perfect hunches, Mulder, putting together entire crime scenes in five seconds while Scully stands by simply answering his questions. Boo! Hiss! Because, because there's a speck of dust on the ground and he's like, uh, according to the wind and the angle of my dick right now, I think, I think this means Darren did it. And then we still have to go 45 minutes to actually get to the conclusion of that. Yep. Um, so Mulder realizes that all of the stores except for the arcade would have been closed at the time that the victim was trying to leave. So that's where he must have been. So they go into the arcade. Jack Black is at the counter counting quarters. Um, Scully talks to him. His name is Zero. He immediately falls in love with her and, like, can't blame him. And I'm sure you can't either. Scully asks Zero if he saw the kid that was killed, and he's like, no, mm -mm, never seen him. And she's like, okay, yeah, I don't buy it. He was killed right fucking there. You can see it from this very spot. And then fucking numbskull is like, oh, yeah, that was him. I mean, you know, the bro code does require masterclass acting, but sadly, that's a skill that not every bro can uh, perfect. So Mulder walks around and watches younger versions of himself get hard-ons as racing as they race car cartoons. Um, Zero shows them what game he was playing. Mulder is like, holy shit, Scully, look at these stats. And she's like, seriously regretting ever considering fucking him. Mulder figures out um, again that one of the victims, the only one to survive, Darren Peter Oswald, DPO, was also playing that game and he holds literally every record. He was also playing the previous night when Pizza Boy died. So cut to this kid, Darren, creepy kid from the beginning, working in an auto shop. And then here we see a similar shot of heels walking up to the car like we did in that episode, Blood, in an auto shop. Uh, this show never fails to like explicitly and egregiously remind women how overbearing and suffocating the male gaze is. And like, thank God, right? Because yeah. something I was worried I'd forget. forget. Yeah. Yeah. And I live my silly little life liberated from the male gaze so thank you for keeping us in check thank you chris carter but oh my dear is um is this woman a milf uh-oh so darren pops out from under the car and he scares the woman her name is mrs kavat um but her first name is Kavit. Kavit. whatever the fuck i literally hated that fucking last name so much because every time i typed it my computer changed it to a different spelling and a different word that I got so frustrated. Okay. So, so what's her first name? Sharon. Do we know? Yeah. What's sh it's Sharon. It's Sharon. Let's call her Sharon. Sharon. Uh, so Sharon asks where um, his boss Frank is, who I'm assuming is her partner. Um, she says they're supposed to go to dinner. So Darren gets way too persistent and in her face, asking if he can get her anything or eat her out or take her out, whatever. Um, and, <laughs> and she gets very uncomfortable. And it's clearly not the first time he's made her uncomfortable like this. So Darren starts to apologize for, quote, those things he said yesterday. And before he can elaborate, Frank pulls up. Uh, cut to Mulder and Scully in the auto shop talking to Darren. Um, he plays dumb and is asking questions about, like, how this death happened. And um, So Mulder's like, yeah, you're, like, really lucky being the only one to survive being struck by literal lightning. And he's like, yeah, I guess. And as they're talking, Scully notices Mulder's pocket is smoking. 
and his phone got all hot and so that it like melts part is so funny because scully is like staring at him before she real before she says that his phone like what's come what before she asks what's in his pocket yeah it's like she's really getting lost in Mulder's aura and then she's like oh my god fuck i forgot to charge my vibrator i need it so badly right now he's smoking today he looks so good in that suit and then she's like oh my god shit Mulder, what's in your pocket you're you're literally smoking he's like literally she's like i mean just you're smoking I have to concede he looks there's something he looks he looks so good here. He looks so good here. Like his hair is back. Like yeah, which makes which makes him being like a dick earlier really hard. Really disappointing. Because why is he the sweetest when he looks ugly? And then when he's like at his hottest, he's a fucking prick. And I'm like, can I have anything? Because he knows how hot he is when he's up. <laughs> The kid Darren is like, bummer about your phone. I'm going to chill now. And like, wow, the white experience of being questioned by the police. Yeah. So Darren leaves and goes home. Um, his mom is watching some weird ass show. This scene reminds me of the lady watching TV before she's fucking assaulted in, pa- in postmodern Prometheus. Yeah, me too. I thought the lady was the same and I looked it up. So, but. Um, so Darren comes in. He starts changing the channel with his mind, which seems to be an accepted thing. Um, she talks shit about him telling, uh, she, start, she starts talking shit about him to his face and like telling him that no girl would ever, um, want to be with him. And he gets all bent out of shape and leaves when Zero knocks on the door. So Zero is like, bro, the FBI came and Darren's like, yeah, I know. And they both pulled, and Darren is like, yeah, I know. And then they both pull a Kate Bush and run up a hill. <laughs> so Darren is like, let's barbecue. And Zero's like, not the cows again. And so Darren starts yelling at the sky that he's ready. And Zero runs away and, like, rolls down the hill really fucking hard. Like, he really tumbles. And then lightning starts to strike around him, around Darren, like he commanded it. And Zero goes up to see if he's okay. And he's just kind of, like, laying there torched. But he's like, excellent. This is so weak because, like, getting struck by lightning is literally just what it feels like to be in love with a MILF. So... Cry me a fucking river, Darren. <laughs> You're like, I'm struck by lightning every fucking day. Every day. Try every minute. Every minute. You know, every morning I wake up and I break both my legs and I break <laughs> my back. That's me. You're so brave. So, um, cut to them dragging a dead Moo away. Sad. Um, Mulder and Scully show up and the fucking sheriff has like a hard on telling her that there's three dead cows from lightning strikes. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, go get laid or something. Leave her alone. That's it. Like, this man is obsessed with I her. I know. He's obsessed with having the one up on her, like, all on, the time. Her, and, like, on her fucking lightning knowledge <laughs> of all things. Just say you're in love He's- with her. He's so ugly, and she's and she's just standing there like this part specifically. She's just like, listen, you see this man? He's my wife, <laughs> okay. And she's like, don't look at me, but I also have a knockout body, and my face has broken so many hearts, okay. And she's like, let me just take out something you can look at. It's my badge. I work for the FBI. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a pathologist and I'm a scientist. So enjoy your fucking sky strobe lights. Like, what, what is up? What's his deal? Round of applause. 
That's the monologue I wish she fucking gave. Because it's just like, she's just achieved so much more in life. And the fact that she's a woman makes him hate her. Yep. And, and I think it's bad because he didn't even, he didn't even attack her where it hurts, you know? No, he didn't mention her dad once. At all. So then Mulder says some smart shit about lightning. It was like, he's like, yeah, I did my homework. And like, bro, shut the fuck he wasn't up. coming for you. He was coming for Scully. Can you just have her fucking back somewhere out of the bedroom, please? So they find sand that's melted into glass or something, which only happens because of lightning. So they know it was there. Did that really happen? Yeah. I missed that. Interesting. I just noticed because Mulder was like squatting in a, in a certain way when he was like. Oh my god, up. Mulder was like full yoga pose. His flexibility is good to know. So my next note was, I'm really over the sheriff. Do you want to talk about Scully's hair because it's really getting 1940s starlet, and I'm really happy about it. I can't. I literally can't. It's so beautiful. It's like so shiny and healthy looking. I say literally a lot. I'm it's okay. So Everything sorry. you say, I say exactly. No, I do. <laughs> I know. I edit it. Anyways, so Mulder finds a footprint, so they go to analyze it on, like, some branch or something. Um, Mulder makes a joke when she figures out something about the shoe and says, great, now can you make me a little cherub that squirts water? And she looks at him like, baby, I'm your little cherub that squirts. I broke her, folks. That was a great one. When he sa- What he said was that he wants a cherub who squirts water, but... What she heard was, okay, so he wants a mold of my bare chest. That can so easily be done. (laughs) And now there's a mold of Scully's tits in the unremarkable house. That's incredible. How funny would that be? Do you get, like, your significant other, like, a ceramic for a certain number anniversary? Yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you want. No, 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 but, you know, there are... Are there there things? Oh, no, I have no idea what they are. The first anniversary, you get them, like, a dish or something or a plate. I bet there is. Anyways, I would like to read a fic where it's, like, five things that they got each other on, like, five different anniversaries. I would love that. I think Ani could do it. Ani would do such a good job. Ani, this this is your call to action. That's our friend at Stell Gibson on AO3 and Twitter. Um and at emerald to gold on instagram she makes some amazing instagram. art and she writes the most beautiful detailed heartwarming fix ever we've recommended her before um and yes. i'll text her and see if it's okay that we say that yes so they flirt hardcore over this fucking footprint like jesus christ people i can smell both of your pheromones from here i'm just like i'm just in love with this woman and her side eye. I like that she's getting very sassy. She is. As she gets into her power, she gets way more sassy. Scully telling Mulder that it's, the shoe size is an eight and a half. Scully's like, I would not lift a finger for an eight and a half foot size on a man. And Mulder's like, well, then today's your lucky day because I am a nine. <laughs> Just kidding. What did it say? How is like a 12 would be my guess? <gasps> I'm good. Wow. Now, did you go off of his the size of his shoes or the size Penis. of his dick? <laughs> I mean, you know what they say about big <laughs> you know what they say about big shoes? Giant cock. 
<laughs> Massive cock. <laughs> One of them, mine is, they should have just, why didn't Scully say that? There were so many part, there were so many elements of this to have a great dick joke and they just totally slept on it. So she finds traces of antifreeze, so they're like, oh, Darren Oswald. Cut to Darren and Zero sitting on a billboard. Darren is using his mind powers or whatever to fuck with traffic lights and is watching people almost crash like it's a video game. Jack Black is like, let's fucking go to Las Vegas. You do great there. But Darren is like, not without my MILF. And I'm sure you understand his conundrum. I completely understand it. Arguably too too close. (laughs) Too closely. Jack Black and uh, fucking Darren talk about how in love with Sharon Darren is. And Jack's, like, not supportive. And he's basically like, she's a MILF, dude. You don't have the game. Um, And then Darren makes two cars crash. It's really funny because, yeah, he, like, just destroys his life because he can't be with a MILF. And, like, listen, I get it. And the fact that she's a teacher as well, this was that's so revealing that's so bad for me no it's beautiful and jack black really does have a point it's like every woman's dream man like (laughs) is good looking and he fixes stuff and darren is not does neither of those and possesses neither of those it's a fair point um so Mulder and scully go to darren's house and check out his room and like thinking about them in a teenage boy's room together snooping made me imagine them like years later doing that in william's room and like reminiscing about when they did this. I was, I literally wrote when Scully throws the shoe back into the closet. That's mom, her. Truly made Mulder ready to risk it all right there. Absolutely. Oh my God. So Scully finds a shoe size match and makes a, and then she makes a porn joke while Mulder flips through one of Darren's magazines. Um, I, think it's, I think it's funny that she went from grilling Mulder for looking at naked women all the time to being the naked woman he looked at all the time. <gasps> Greatest transition ever. I think so. Hell yeah. That was good. So Mulder finds a picture of Sharon in the magazine. Ew. Um, that he cut out her picture and put it in a porn magazine. So Scully looks through the yearbook that she found in Darren's closet and finds who the picture belongs to. And then they realize um, that the shop Darren works for is also called Kavit Auto Body. I put a screenshot of Scully's face here because upon discovering that Mrs. Kavit is a MILF teacher, Mm -hmm. Scully goes into straight gay panic mode. (gasps) Tell me about it. Gay panic setting in besties before our eyes. Mulder, like, says, like, oh, it's Mrs. Like, whatever. They realize, right? Yeah. And Scully looks up at him, like, oh, my God, are you serious? Okay. Like, do we, are we going to go, are we going to go, like, do we have to go talk to her? Okay. I can do that. It's cute. So cut back to the car crash site. Frank pulls up to, like, clear the road. I'm attracted to Frank. And um, Darren just, like, stares at him until he has a heart attack. Um, And then he uses his hands as electric paddles and saves him to look like Mr. Hero. So we go back to the hospital. Not back to the hospital. We haven't been there before. We go to the hospital. Mulder is asking um, Sharon some questions. She's all emotional and dramatic and is like, I need to see my husband. Hey. Sorry. Don't call her dramatic. I'm kidding. She's not. It's very warranted. I mean, it is. Her husband's in the hospital. Um, So Scully shows up with the medical evidence of Darren's hand paddling on Frank's chest. Um and Mulder is like, sick, um, look at Darren's chart. And she's like, okay. And so then she, she does. And she sees severe chemical imbalances in his blood. That's really strange. There's like lots of electrolytes 
excuse me. Thank you. So Mulder's like, what if that electrolyte imbalance is the reason Darren can manifest electrical currents? So what I'm hearing is that if I drink a shit ton of Gatorade, I will be able to summon lightning. I think it's worth a shot, you know? I think so too. What I don't like about this exchange is that it seems like it's it seems like it's Mulder demanding information out of Scully's brain and then him using that information to solve the case as if he discovered all of what she just told him on his own. Oh my god, exactly. Because with just Scully's brain, she could solve the case by herself, but he needs her input. Absolutely. And he's like, what is that? What does that mean? Like, read a fucking book, would you? Read a book. Yeah. Like, all this would take is a simple, do you have any idea what that means, Scully? Like, they can even both understand what it means. What it, they can both understand it. Just let her say it. Literally. Like, and then from that point, after he says that, you insert Scully solving the case, actually putting her abundant knowledge that's gotten them this far in the first place to use and being recognized for it. Holy. Yep. And, like, I get that deviates from, like, the skeptic believer trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she follows him on blind, fa- on a, on blind faith anyway. So why not have it at least be her own no matter how ridiculous or unnatural or contra to science she thinks it is. Exactly. It's fucking exactly. Contra, contrary to science. Yeah. So Scully's like, absolutely not. He's not summoning lightning like that. And he's like, no, listen. And then she does. Cut to Darren's house. He's running in a field. Mulder and Scully get there. They follow him, as you do. Mulder tries to get Darren's attention and grabs his shoulder and he starts screaming, don't you touch me, man. Don't you touch me. And like, I don't know. I would have a different reaction to Mulder like spinning me around really suddenly like that. Yeah, I bet you would. I want that for you. Thanks. Welcome. Um, also, it's really fun seeing Jillian act with somebody actually on par with her. I literally said at, said at the end of the episode, whoever this man is, your acting is far too high caliber for this show literally like and that thought came from just like watching him sizing her up and her reaction to that in the field because they don't interact very much but it's so good Mm -hmm. um so then he goes in for questioning and is like i don't know why those people died um i should be getting a medal because i fucking saved my boss's life and scully's like yeah we aren't so sure and he starts talking himself into a hole being like who have you been talking to who who said that zero zero is zero the one that told you that like did he out rat me out and so then Scully, like, rolls her eyes at him and leaves. And there's lots of close-up pans of her. And I'm wondering if you want to discuss. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I just have one thing to say, which is that not great because it's, like, the male gaze again. Thank right. you for the reminder, Chris Carter. Can't forget. Um, as if Scully's fucking entire body of sexuality and desire isn't explicitly... Uh, and exclusively shown from the perspective of the male gaze but beside the point here um her ass and her waist listen i'm a big fan of a tailored suit you know yeah can i'm i'm a simple i'm a simple gal (laughs) so Mulder and scully chat in the hall all up close and personal like they do um and they're all like pressed to find evidence against darren because they can only hold him for 72 hours so they go to um, Sharon's house and they tell her that they arrested Darren Oswald and Scully asked permission to be let in, which I am a fan of. 
Yeah, compared to Mulder just gaslighting people into speaking to him. Literally. It, compared to Mulder literally traumatizing women more when he goes to try yeah, to investigate their just cases. Just manipu- manipulating people into talking to him. Yep. Sharon tells them that she teaches remedial reading at the high school and that Darren was her student. Um, and she's like, I knew he had a crush on me, but I felt bad for him because he seemed like he was troubled and had lots of bad luck. Um, and she said that she started getting phone calls um, and I actually really like this next line. And I like refuse to believe a man wrote it. And my guess is that Howard Gordon like must have heard one of his female friends or family members say something like this. Um, mm-hmm. But Scully asked her how she knew the calls were from Darren. And she says the way that he looked at me in the garage, the phone calls made me feel the same way. And like, yeah, I fucking believe yeah. that. And like, wow, for yeah. her intuition to be trusted and right and not questioned absolutely it was like a, like a little golden light in the middle of lots of darkness mm-hmm. um so sharon says that darren um actually told her that he had powers right after the pizza boy was killed um and then she talks about how afraid she is and how afraid he's made her and scully looks at her and tells her well now uh and tells her you don't have to be and it's really it's like a really sweet moment and Scully reassuring women is all I want to see ever. And I feel like that's probably a big reason why she joined the fucking FBI in the first place. Oh, absolutely. So then I don't love that she says, um, you and your husband are safe as long as we can count on your testimony. Because that shouldn't be what that hinges on. But that's this kind of scene written by a man. So yeah, I'm taking what I can get. Um... So then they leave. Mulder looks so hot walking down the hall. Yeah. Um, and so they get there and then Sheriff fucking sent Oswald home because he's a fucking idiot. And Mulder runs to call Sharon. I like that he does that right away. Um, and then this fucking sheriff gigs at Scully again and is like, you don't really believe this crap, do you? And she's like, well, I believe it was irresponsible for you to let him go. And he's like, well, there's no scientific basic for this. And she's like, you fucking said yourself that science can't explain how lightning works. And, like, I really do enjoy watching Scully finally, like, win this weird conflict that was happening. But, like, we t- I wrote this right after we talked about this. Um, but, like, this is annoying because it's not inherently sexist. Like, they're just like, look what Scully goes through and, like, well, this could happen to Mulder, too. In fact, this is usually the argument against Mulder's argument. Like, this guy's just a prick. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, how we talked about how, like, um, like they need to show the microaggressions that literally happen every episode. Yeah. Well, it's, like, it just goes back to the, um, it just goes back to the fact that, like, there needs to be blood, there needs to be gore in order for it to be potent in order for people to care. Exactly. And it's the same thing with this. The misogyny, the sexism has to be so egregious that, like, it's easy to call this, it's easy to call a spade a spade. Yep. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or if I said it earlier today, so I'm just going to say it again. But it, it, that's exactly it. It's like, this is something that's already condemned. So it's fine. It's easy to put on there because everyone's like, yeah, he's a fucking dick. But, like, show us the, like, microaggressions that Mulder perpetuates with good intention like let's see how complicated that is and how that plays out Mm -hmm. and also don't tell her what there is scientific basis for and what there isn't you fucking pee brain you sheriff pissant like what do you mean she's a medical doctor shut up yeah and i know that this is them really trying to acknowledge that scully's experience would be different but it's not succeeding 
It's not succeeding. And, like, this man is just fucking goofy. Like, I get more mad at Mulder when he perpetuates little um, acts of misogyny. (laughs) Yeah, than this, like, big blatant outburst where you're like, okay, whatever. And it's like, this is definitely a really small form of this, and I think we talked about this in um, Irresistible, but it's like in order for it's like when men are writing bad men they write them as like the furthest extreme like so blatantly misogynist it's so clearly wrong like an absolute psychopath that kills people with this like undeniable urge like a monster where it's like no like normal good people good like quote-unquote whatever do the same thing like perpetuate the same behavior so Mulder comes in and is like fuck Sharon is already on her way to the hospital so they zip out um so we see Zero at the arcade the power goes out and just Darren's game is on um and he whispers dude into the darkness but no response um and the music starts playing on the juke uh he's screaming He's like, we're buddies, man, which makes me really sad. And then he goes outside and he gets struck by lightning and dies while Darren watches standing on the roof. I felt like I was laying in bed listening to what was happening on a New York City street. Literally. Outside my window at 3 a.m. So Mulder and Scully strut into the hospital, making orders, securing the premises. It's very hot. Scully's suit finally fixed her and she looks really badass. I'm a sucker for a woman in power and in, a, and in a tailored suit. So they find Sharon with her husband and tell her that Darren was released from custody. And as they're trying to convince her to go with them, the lights go out. And then they're like, oh, shit, he's here. And um, they start watching the elevator come up, like, really slowly. And it's not Darren, but it's Zero's dead body, which is irrationally. Like, when did he get creepy? Also, how iconic. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck about Zero. How iconic of them to both like draw their guns yeah. at the same time that was such a turn on oh my god I mean, teamwork like that is really fucking hot so like when they actually work together doing something i'm like whoo that was so sexy and it also definitely got both of them going there was a surge and it wasn't the electricity there was so much surge yep coursing through both of their bodies yep um Especially Scully's, though, because she saw it happen at the same time. I know. It was such a good... That was so good. Yep. Um, so Mulder dips and tries to find Darren. Um, he goes into this very spooky red hall- hallway, and it's, like, a really cool shot. Um, but jokes on Mulder, Darren is up on the floor already um, with Sharon and Scully. So Scully pulls her gun on him, and, like, I wish she'd just fucking shoot him. Like, she shot Mulder two episodes ago. I feel like it's out of character for her to not, and to let him keep walking at them, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And fucking Sharon, is, I'm sorry to talk bad about your MILF, but she's a goddamn idiot, and she doesn't let Scully do her job, and she gets in between them and then goes with Darren. Like, okay, bye, have a nice life with him. Like, literally let Scully do her job. Um, so Darren and Sharon are walking, they're holding hands. He's holding onto her hand with, like, a death, death grip. grip. Yeah, you're correct. Um, and he's, like, bragging about how they can take any car they want because he can, like, start them with his mind. Um, and the sheriff pulls up, and then Sharon runs away. And, um, thank, thank God. Yeah. I was very, I was kind of sick of seeing, I was tired of seeing this woman just be traumatized by like a superhero reject. Literally. Like that conversation went on for way too long. Um, so as Sharon's running away, Mulder like snatches her up and they hide in the corner of like some bush or something. 
And Darren loses his fucking mind. And there's massive, there's like a massive lightning storm and he collapses. The sheriff dies. Um, and Mulder and Scully approach him and I assume take him into custody. So cut to Oklahoma Psychiatric Hospital. The coroner ruled um, the sheriff's death accidental um, because, and the DA has no idea how to build a case around this. Um, and Darren's blood work came out that he was totally fine. But Darren is in custody, custody in the psychiatric ward, and um, so like people are safe. And he's watching TV change, and he's watching TV, and he's changing channels with his mind. Um, and the last one is executive producer Chris Carter with like Darren's reflection in the TV, and like fuck Chris Carter, but like that shot was kind of cool. Yeah, it was. I have a summary of the episode. Hit me with it. A milf leads a man to end up with severe mental health issues because she won't love him. That's the episode. And that's the episode. Um, do you want to do Jillian's Corner? Let's do Jillian's Corner. Jillian's Corner. Jillian's Corner. Let's talk about how booked and busy Jillian is. Right Girl now. is booked and busy. She was just cast and is going to be playing Elle Fanning's mother in the series uh, The Great. The Great. I was about to say The Crown. <laughs> um, the Great. Yeah. And like fucking good for her i she's just i just love that she's i just love that she's getting to be in all these really amazing shows and movies and all of that everything that she's wanted to do but she's able to do it in a capacity where the time frame that she is filming is acceptable for her and works for her like i think that's fucking amazing it's absolutely amazing and it's absolutely what she deserves absolutely but then again like it's okay if you're not being very book if you're not being very productive right now or if you are finding it hard to find motivation mm -hmm. or if you aren't booked and busy like it's all good we're going through massive changes it's a big transition i think that everyone this is a perfect example because it's like i would argue that jillian deserved to have the recognition and career that she has now during her x-files career during her the x-files period of her life yeah but it's like everything comes in divine timing everything yep. comes in its own time you're correct so that goes for you too bestie yeah take all the time you need to do whatever you need and want and if you're not booked and busy cool because you get to stay at home and watch what jillian's doing while she's booked and busy exactly <laughs> it's a win for everybody and, like, love is equal parts, you know, doing your own thing and also celebrating and cheering on the person that you love at the same time. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's the episode. That's the episode. Thank you for going on this journey with us. We love you to um, absolute death. Thank you for being here. Uh, go tell your favorite MILF you love her. Yeah. We'll see you next time. And tell her double for me because I guarantee you... I love her too. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And we'll see you next time on, on The Sex Files. Bye. Goodbye. Three, two, one, stop.